Welcome to Fronteras, a program that explores issues at the border and beyond through the lens of arts, culture, and history. I'm Norma Martinez with Texas Public Radio in San Antonio. There are words that we hear in informal Spanish that aren't actually Spanish. Vato or dude, cruda or hungover, orale, hey, what's up, gabacho or anglo, aguas or watch out. These words you may call slang are actually words found in the dialect caló. Oscar Rodriguez was raised speaking caló in the West Texas border region, spending time in Ojinaga, Mexico, and Midland and Odessa. He's a researcher of Native history in Texas and New Mexico, and has spent the last few years sharing his knowledge of caló with listeners in West Texas on his program, Caló, a borderland dialect. The four-minute episodes air on Marfa Public Radio, where this program also airs. Rodriguez, who's also known as El Marfa, joins us on a Zoom call from Santa Fe, New Mexico. He says Galo didn't originate on the border. Its roots extend back centuries to Europe. Galo, in the first place, is called Galo because it has a lot of words and also uh, expressions that you may hear in Spanish, but they're actually words of Galo. Galo is spoken by the Cale or the Roma or Romani. It's the language of those people. But when it came to the Rio Grande, it came with the Spanish. And so the Calais or Roma, Iberian Roma, that's uh, French, Portuguese, and Spanish, who then immigrated along with a lot of Spaniards to Latin America, and they brought with them that language and those expressions. I'll give you some examples of Cano words that are commonly used and people might think that they're even Spanish. For example, gabacho. Yeah, you know, who doesn't know the, the word gabacho? Yeah, gabacho, I think we think of more like gringo. You know, I don't think I'd heard the word gabacho as much as I hear the word gringo. Yeah, gringo is, is a pejorative. And it's more, I should put it, the, uh, the TV version <laughs> of the term. Gabacho, uh, actually, it's a, a mispronunciation or an evolved pronunciation of the word gato which in Calo simply means other. So there are the Cale or Payos, and then there are the others. And I guess that's a very human thing to do. There's us, and then there's everybody else. And so Gabacho is just simply all the others. Now, over time, of course, it has come to be associated with Anglo-Saxon in the Southwest, but really, truly, it, all it means is other. Another word which uh, has a bad reputation because it's used as a curse word, but it's actually not a curse word. People who speak Galo would quickly tell you that, for example, the word is not a curse word. It's merely an aggrandizer. So when you say somebody is a loudmouth, you call them a loudmouth. The part doesn't work unless you actually do have a a bad word that's next to it. People who are listening right now, they're going to hear that word beeped out because I don't think the FCC will still allow that language, even though it's not uh, used in that in that way. But for the listeners wondering what that word might be, it rhymes with rinche. <laughs> so. Rinche. Yeah. And, and for example, there's a very proper Spanish word when somebody is pinchado. It really means that they've been found out. They have been spotted, if you will. That's proper Spanish, and no one considers that a curse word. <laughs> and so therefore, the, the, somebody who is somebody like that is therefore known. And so that's why that, that word that rhymes with rinche. <laughs> in fact, you have those expressions, 
in Albuquerque, for example, and you see other places as well, people will say he was all hurt or he was all bad or he was all smart. And that all just replaces the term. By the way, there's a lot of other words. Calcos, I don't know if you've heard the word calcos. In the south side in San Antonio, they know what calcos are. It just means use, calcos. Other words, remangar, which means to steal, to steal something small, to put something in your cuff. There's just a lot of words in Calo that are actually directly from the Calais. And then there's other words in Calo that are old, old, archaic Spanish. Spanish that was brought in by the Spaniards in the 15, 16, and, and 1700s, for example, to say words like uh, truje, yo truje, or yo pañé, pañar. Pañar means to get something. Me pañé una empanada esta mañana. <laughs> I got myself an empanada this morning. It's called Calo because a lot of words are, in fact, uh, from that language spoken by the Calais. But there's many other words that are, are old Spanish. And then there's also a lot of native words, both Nahuatl and regional native words. For example, one word is cuita, which is actually a Comanche word for poop. You hear a common, the same word in Nahuatl, and that's cuitla. You know, I don't know if you've heard, tasted something made of cuitlacote, which is this mushroom, what's known as corn smut. <laughs> oh, is that, that that black corn fungus? Yes, yes. Cuitlacote is a Nahuatl word or an Aztec word that means flower that comes from poop. Cuitlacote. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, you have a lot of those words, but also the expressions are very, reflect the experience of people who were living in the barrios from Denver to San Antonio, and there was uh, intermarriage. That language was uh, spread out. And then in the in the 1950s, sort of at the height of Zoot Suit, 40s and, and the 50s, there were uh, these actors from Juarez who became very famous, and their edge was that they were kind of like street people, so they were kind of like Zoot Suit people. What these guys did is that they used the language of the street in Chuco, what is El Paso, and it was picked up in Mexico City. And you may have heard of some of these actors, the very famous actors, Germán Valdez or Tintán mm-hmm. Valdez. Also, he is the brother of Loco Valdez. The family itself is, is very significant uh, icons in uh, Mexican TV. Anyway, they brought with them that language in the words of Carnal and uh, Huachale, Simón, Nel. I can assure you, in fact, I know some of these people in San Antonio who really can't speak another language, if you were to engage them in a long conversation, they would struggle to say either in Spanish or in English and would often go to a lot of these fellow words. And I I have no doubt that you still have a very significant community in San Antonio that is very fluent in Calo. I mean, there is a rich history behind Calo, and I've read that you grew up speaking this. Would you call it a language? Would you call it an idiom? Well, it is a a language to the extent that there is a very extensive lexicon that comes with many, 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 many words. But uh, it's not a language in that it has its own grammar. Um, It is the kind of language that brings words and brings certain nuances to words that are unique to it. Oscar Rodriguez is the host of Caló, a borderland dialect on Marfa Public Radio.
When we come back, Rodriguez hopes that people recognize the heritage and history of this special dialect. The people who introduced Calo, who brought Calo, who fostered Calo for centuries, left behind, for those who do not speak it, left behind nonetheless graffiti and, and memories and significant cultural moves that are still around. Our conversation continues next on Fronteras. Welcome back to Fronteras. I'm Norma Martinez with Texas Public Radio in San Antonio. Epale, welcome to Caló con el Marfa. This is a show about words and expressions from that old Rio Grande tongue known as Caló. The hope is it'll refresh your knowledge if you already speak it. And if you're new to this language, teach you how to cabulear de aqueas en Caló. That's Oscar Rodriguez, also known as El Marfa, introducing his series, Caló, a borderland dialect on Marfa Public Radio. Each episode introduces a word or phrase in Caló, a dialect that originated with the Iberian Romani in Europe and made its way to the southwest with the Spanish conquest. The episodes feature recurring characters and recurring scenes to present the usage of each word or phrase. Rodriguez explains how he develops each episode. I, I do follow a little bit of, of a formula, and I did this with the help of my linguist wife, who uh, is not a Calo speaker. She speaks Spanish really well, but she's not a Calo speaker. We came up with this, the idea that if it was a, a recurring formula with recurring actors, and that the only thing that would change would be the word and the, the scene itself, that it would be easier for people who are learning to get the message and not be distracted with like a new character, a new framework, if you will, for each episode. And so as a result, it is a recurring framework. I, I introduce the word and then I demonstrate that word in a little vignette that hopefully will last in the listener's mind enough that they can kind of get the word. Boy was in bed in the boy's bedroom, but wide awake and listening to a conversation in the living room. The adults had just come home from the dance, where Lupito and the Sensationals had just played, and boy's parents had invited their friends to come over and extend the party. Orale. No, Lupito was great, a man with a bright voice said. Simon, it's the new sound. I bet they make the Ed Sullivan show someday soon, said another man. There's material here to go for years. I hope to someday retire, you know, after having done Calo for, for many, many years. And hopefully someone else will pick it up from there. But the stories themselves are stories that either I experienced or were told to me by someone. Also, very importantly, what I try to convey in those stories is life in, in the barrio, in the barrios of Odessa and uh, Ojinaga, what people were seeing, experiencing, and and sort of what was a, a topic of conversation among those people. And, and so in that way, I'm, I'm also trying to share the history of, say, the, the 1960s, 1970s, and 1980s Barrio West Texas. The places that I talk about are OJ, which is a common name for uh, Ojinaga, or La Junta, and the South Side, which is the South Side in Midland and in Odessa. Those stories include stories of dances, of that a lot of kids who were growing up with me uh, also experienced the constant movement from OJ to the South Side. And so a lot of fathers would work in the oil fields and still raise their families in OJ. 
And so the kids were going back and forth and the fathers were going back and forth. And so there was a lot of culture of people transporting each other and everybody knew who was going to be going and they would give rides to children and to families, et cetera. They were going back and forth to both places. And so that's the life experience. You know, it's not told. I have never read about it anyway. And so that's what I'm trying to do with these shows as well. The word, how they're used, as well as the cultural setting in which people will use them. And what I like also is your legitimizing words and language that some purists might look down on as like, that's not proper Spanish. You know, you're speaking like the cholos or like you were saying earlier, like the zoot suit or like Mexican gangs. You know, you, you, I would assume that there is a factor or there is a population out there who sees calo and they see it as sort of a diminishment of the language. And what you're doing is you are elevating it and legitimizing it and saying that there is a rich history and a story behind these words, as all languages are. Yeah, yeah. They reflect human experience and in many cases, a very hard fought human experience. And as such, I think they are part of the human heritage that should be kept around because they do influence us. And if you think of it in these terms, and I, I do very much, the, the people who introduced Kalo, who brought Kalo, who fostered Kalo or centuries, left behind, even for those who do not speak it, left behind nonetheless graffiti and, and memories and significant cultural moons that are still around. And I, I just think that we do not, as even as people who would appreciate even Spanish or English or even our history along the Rio Grande, we'd be missing out on truly appreciating what some of those words mean if we can't you know, take them to the core of where they emerge. And to be sure, absolutely sure, Calo is not Spanish. It uses a lot of Spanish words, but it also uses a lot of English words. And, and here's, for example, a classic Calo word spoken by the Calais that made it into English and then later on made it into, you know, what some people would call Spanglish in the Southwest. And that is, for example, lollipop. Lollipop is a straight-ahead Calo word. It's what it means originally meant was candied apple, uyi uh, popa. If you look at how it's spelled in Spanish, you can see why people would call it lollipop, because, you know, it's the uyi with the double L. The lollipop was a product, if you will, that the Calais would come up with, and they would sell, and they, they still sell in, in many places. And uh, from that came the word lollipop. You know, and, and there's a lot of other terms also that came from English into Calo that people will understand real clearly. For example, you've heard the expression sacar garra. Agarra, actually, in proper Spanish, just means claws. But actually, today in, in Mexico, what that means is rags. So basically, cloth that's been shred by talons or claws is garras. And to sacar garra means to make fun of somebody. Estaban sacando garra o le están sacando garra o le estoy sacando garra. That just simply comes from the from the English term to rag somebody. They were being ragged out. And there's other terms in the 1950s and 1960s, maybe even through the 70s, you would hear the term cat. Who was that cat? Or I talked to some cats the other day. Or how you doing, cat? Cano had its version of that, and it was a vato. And it came from vato, as in goat. Hey, vato. And, you know, and that's not a curse word in any way, not a pejorative in any way. It just means cat. And it still survives. You still see it 
a lot of places. Now, I know there's people in Marfa who are listening in Marfa, Marfa Public Radio. They know where to hear you on the air. But there are people listening outside of Marfa here in San Antonio, maybe listening on podcasts across the country. How can they hear your segments on Galo? You can go to uh, Marfa Public Radio forward slash Galo. Marfa Public Radio one word forward slash Galo. And you get them there. And you'll, you'll get not just the latest shows, but you get an archive of all the shows along with the transcript. So what I do is I, I write the story and that also gets put in, is archived in uh, Marfa Public Radio. And so you can just read it if you want to, or you can uh, listen to it and read it. I, I recommend listening and reading because the listening part is the best part. <laughs> and, and some of the characters, by the way, and I'll, I'll, for the listeners, I'll, I'll tell you all the, the many different characters. It, there is a recurring character, a boy, and a boy actually comes from a childhood friend who was a twin. They did not look alike at all. One was big and one was sort of small and slight. And one was named uh, Leroy, the other was named Ernesto. And so that kind of clashed with us so much that we then tried to uh, somehow match them a little bit. And so one was called Leroy and the other one we called Boy. And so that's where that, that name comes from. But there's also a low rider. And there's a cousin Flaco. There's also an old lady who walks around with a 45, loaded 45. She always does. In fact. <laughs> and then she's a frail little woman. And so you can see the huge gun protruding from her back. <laughs> and I know if she's never used it, but she uh, would make uh, a habit of threatening people with it. But so that, and then her neighbor, Quito, which uh, he thinks it means something really big. But actually, quito just is simply the hello word for poop. <laughs> <laughs> but quito thinks it means something very different, and he's very proud of the word. <laughs> so, so you have these recurring characters, and, and sometimes these, these recurring scenes and recurring settings, including the trips back and forth from OJ to the south side. You know, it's a four-hour trip, and people would talk about all kinds of things, and sometimes they would talk politics and philosophy, et cetera, and and I just remembered that interminable conversation about, like, the landscapes. And so these are people who would, who are many, many generations of West Texas. And so when they were young, they started to see all of these names for monuments. The profile of Lincoln, I recall one conversation when that sign was new and people were driving by there. And I remember the adults in the, in the car talking and trying to make it out the, the profile of Lincoln. And they just could not. They couldn't figure out really truly how Lincoln was to be depicted. And so what they would use is the image of Lincoln in the, uh, you know, in currency. And so Lincoln in that currency does not have a beard. And so they just couldn't figure out, you know, how that could be. But anyway, so what you have is, is then this conversation of people who, who are seeing a new culture being introduced and who over time in their own fashion navigate it and finally get to the point where they understand that's also a big part of the of the show that how people honest people or people who are genuinely trying to understand something or, or trying to put something in perspective sometimes come out with uh, different conclusions about you know what a, a cultural mean might be and and by the way uh i i do get some correspondence from listeners in san antonio 
And so one thing I do always is invite people uh, to suggest words. And I do get them. And, uh, and I have gotten some from, uh, from San Antonio, also from Marfa, and uh, other places that, where people do that. And so I, I look forward to interacting. If, if I may, I'm sorry to crowd out you know, the last seconds here, but uh, the reason I, uh, I use the term El Marfa, my grandfather had a cousin, first cousin, who lived in Marfa and would brag about living in Marfa, so they called him El Marfa. And so later on, he had a son, and of course, they called him uh, Marfita. And so I, that's the moniker I've taken up. That's El Marfa, Oscar Rodriguez, host of Calo, a borderland dialect on Marfa Public Radio. Rodriguez is a member of the Lipan Apache tribe and is a researcher of native history in Texas and New Mexico. We'll have a link to all the Calo episodes at tpr.org. Thanks for joining us for Fronteras. Fronteras is produced by Norma Martinez and Marian Navarro. Our executive producer is Dan Katz. Our editor is Fernando Ortiz Jr. Charanga Cakewalk composed our theme music. Hear past episodes at tpr.org and on the Fronteras podcast. I'm Norma Martinez, saliéndonos on Texas Public Radio in San Antonio.